0: Love Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar. Others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Monday. And I'd like to welcome my guest, author Lori Britton, to the show. Welcome to the show, Lori.
1: Hi, I'm, hi, I'm so excited to do this. Who would have thought when we were in high school together that we would be doing this so many years later? It's pretty exciting. It's,
0: it's very exciting, and I pulled out my yearbook to look at it, Lori, because those of you're professionally Lori Britton, but for those of us that went to Westchester High together, we will always know you as Lori Plone, and you weren't just the ordinary high school student. I happen to be that person, not you. You were the student body (laughs) president. You were voted most likely to succeed. If they would have had a a, a contest when I was in school, most likely to keep talking, you know, I I might have been in contention for that. But you were really, you were a leader then, Lori, and and you're really a leader now. And I, I want people to understand just a little bit about your background. You have a Ph.D., in early childhood education, and you have authored thirteen children's picture books, many of which you've um, illustrated. Because not only do you write well, gosh, you're a really great illustrator, and I just, I just think that you are just so multi-talented. And I'm excited to share this hour with you. And if, if it runs over, the bell won't ring. Trust me, we won't be put into detention. So
1: we're just well, going to uh, let
0: this show. F- Go ahead.
1: Oh, I was going to say, Marcia, I have another talent that I didn't even tell you that's quite different from the others. I am a great hula hooper, and I can actually hula hoop without it ever dropping. Really? I mean, mean you have to um, to to (laughs) actually hold it.
0: You have to hold it to stop it, otherwise you would just, could you, well, that's a real good, um, um, what am I, cardiac um, exercise, isn't it?
1: Well, that's, course. A that's another side of me hula-hooping, as well as some other things mm-hmm. I'll have a chance to talk about later, too, some outside interests. Oh, that's, that's, that's terrific. Well, let's
0: talk a little bit about, you know, you, Lori, because I do know you, but for the rest of the millions of people out there listening, why don't you tell – I don't, don't mean to scare you. There are not m- millions of people listening, um, but I thought you could just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, for so those that don't know you.
1: Well, um, in thinking about this show yesterday, when I was thinking about this show and reflecting on my lives and the kinds of things I wanted to share, I really realized that I feel like I've lived many, many different lives and done, done many different things, but there's always been this underlying theme, no matter what I've done or where I've been, and that is um, ch- cherishing children, um, honoring creativity and problem solving, and really attempting to do things to make the world a better place. I was born um, into a family that really celebrated creativity and storytelling tell- and problems being something to, to celebrate and embrace rather than being a negative thing, that it was an opportunity to rejo- rejoice and r- jump right in and solve the problems. Um, my family moved to Westchester when I was two years old in a home that my father built on a street where, believe it or not, horses. Horses would still ride up the street. Mm -hmm. And and that very Mm -hmm. street now actually is part of um, LAX, of the airport. So that's a bit of trivia that's kind of interesting. I do remember Mm -hmm. feeling totally um, cherished and celebrated by my family and my extended family and grandparents as well as the neighbors in this really close cul-de-sac that I lived in. And and looking back, I was thinking, you know, it's no wonder that the – Neighbors cherished me because I was continually organizing um, the children younger than myself into parades and playing pretend school and pretending with them and making things with them. Hmm. So fast forward a little bit, I went to school at UC Berkeley in the late 60s where if anybody knows their history, that was quite an exciting time to go to college. And um, I felt quite at home there. And um, because my parents were always politically active and advocated for those that were oppressed and tried to make the world a better place. And mm-hmm. even though um, it was quite a tumultuous times, I still held, had held steadfast to my goal of wanting to be a teacher, which I became a teacher. And um, that was, I really think, like even though I've done a lot of different um, things professionally, um, Very intense research, very esoteric research on children's interactions, um, writing for the Journal of Genetic Epistemology, writing a science textbook, um, directing a lab school, um, working for directing a child abuse prevention program and taking it Mm -hmm. to the next level where I wrote replication standards and went to Ukraine. Still, I think one of my most cherished professional times was being a teacher and reading to children in circle time. And then on top of that, really most important has been my role as a parent. I have two wonderful children, a son and a daughter, um, who are now grown with children of their own. And I just remember countless hours reading books to them, cuddling together, making things, bouncing on the bed, collecting eggs from the chickens, walking, talking, laughing, um, but really, spending time at bedtime, especially reading books to them, was one of my most cherished moments, and I think that fed into me really wanting to be a children 's book writer and illustrator
0: well i that it makes a lot of sense, and you and you really do it well, and I know um you know I've explained that you are an author, but you are an exceptional illustrator, too, and your illustrations are are so um interesting what what you do in fact i think i'm going to mention this now and we'll also mention it at the at the end of the show that for those of you that want to visit laurie's website her last name is her first name is laurie and her laurie is spelled l-o-r-y and britain is spelled b-r-i-t-a-i-n and that's a dot com and you can find .com. but you also if those of you that are listening are on facebook they, you, they can also follow you on Lori Britton, Britton for Children on Facebook. And uh, you have a wonderful website, Lori, and, and a lot of your books are shown there. And it's it's exceptional, and I think that would be a good place for people to also check you out. And we'll mention this again. You mentioned a little bit about memories. And um, after 35 years, you, you it sounds like you, you had a lot of memories that sort of led you on this path even as a young child, it sounds like.
1: Well, my father was a master storyteller, and I still hear his voice in my head today. He passed away um, 16 years ago, and I still hear his voice in my head and hear the Mm -hmm. stories that he told me. And one of my earliest, fondest memories of my father would set up an easel by my bed and my brother's bed, and my father actually was a cartoonist. He was an amazing Mm -hmm. artist. And as a sidebar, my son... Uh, Dylan Freeman is an amazing artist and sells his art. Um, I might have a chance to talk about it later, and he's the one that encouraged me to illustrate my own books. Anyway, my father would set up an easel by the side of the bed to illustrate his bedtime stories. And one thing I remember especially is him telling long stories about the adventures of Tom Thumb and drawing cartoons to go with it. Another, another, yeah, I was really, like, what a treasure, I know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Another thing I remember is both of my parents encouraged me to draw, and there was always an inner supply of art supplies and paper. And my mother actually saved a table that her and my father bought after World War II, and the legs were cut off after it became a kitchen table and a dining room table. The legs were cut off shorter to become my drawing and writing table. And actually that table has been passed along um to my children and it's now waiting for my granddaughter to have and to use
0: that's 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 a great memory when you think about some of these moments is there an aha moment that just stands out for you i mean you must have so many but is there one in particular that you'd like to re- that you reflect upon
1: i have a lot and i also i just wanted to share one moment that's I don't know if it's an aha moment, but I wanted to be sure and talk about this is um, a couple things before we move on to that question. Is that Mm -hmm. Head Start, which is now part of our institution, amazing program um, around the country, Head Start started in 1965. And in that summer, my mother had the wisdom to sign both her and I up to volunteer for the summer um, to go to Head Start and to read to the children. And little did I know how historical that point was. That was a pretty amazing thing that she did.
0: And we were still in high school. I mean that's that is pretty amazing. What an influence your parents um had on you. And I I bet you if we were to have your children on the air right now, they would just say the same thing about you, Lori.
1: And about their grandparents as well. And also um also, um you know step parents also can influence the, influence the trajectory of your development and lucky for for me, both my step parents um were very supportive of my past and encouraging and enthusiastic and wanted to hear about what I was doing and um my stepmother went on to become a psychologist, and she's spent many time being a willing editor of my work in fact, she's written introductions to some of my more therapeutic books so um th- anyway, that's part of my memories, and I have another relative to storytelling I have well one thing I'm really blessed because I have photographs inside my head of memories like every time I talk about words of a memory there's a picture in my brain and one really um, clear picture in my brain is about my father inside an inner tube on the Colorado River this was a family vacation and there was about six of us little kids all around the inner tube holding on and my father was entertaining us with stories um, hmm. I must have been about seven years old. So the magic of storytelling mm-hmm. really was imprinted into me, and that God. was continued with my children and grandchildren.
0: Oh, I have another.
1: Wonderful. I have an I aha moment listen. to. A,
0: this, yeah. is your, this is your show, Lori. <laughs> okay. And really, when I say to people, what's your story, this is your story. So, you know, we yes, we have a list of questions that we may not get all the way through, but what's really important for me and i think to the people that are listening is we want to hear your stories so there's no there's no reason to um filter that you just you just talk away i'm 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 here for the ride
1: it's almost like I feel like I've gone through a picture, like a a box of photographs of my life as I talk about and reflect on this. So it's been a really uh, wonderful process for me. One really profound that was actually categorically definitely an aha moment was when I was in Ukraine um, working with therapists and teachers and social workers to to help start child abuse prevention programs in their country. One of the therapists came out to me and said to me, in sort of a broken English, I believe, I remember that. <laughs> Your ideas are so simple, yet so profound. Listen to the children and support their feelings. It's a miracle that you came here to help us. And so that really stuck in my head is just, it's so simple. You listen to the children and support their feelings. It's very deep, but very simple
0: and sometimes the most profound things that affect our lives can be broken down in some simple words because words matter and I, I i that makes total sense to me you have sort of a thread of continuity that goes through your books how would you how would you describe the thread that kind of runs through your children's books
1: well i think i think one of my gifts is really um to see the world through a child's eyes both when I actually relate to children and when I think about writing books. So I see the world through the child's eyes and um, celebrate their feelings and empower them. So I'd say healing and empowering and celebratory um, would, would be a theme, even though if you look at my books on the surface, they look incredibly diverse. I mean, some of them are really clearly therapeutic. Um, one of my most famous books that I wrote actually um, under a previous name lori freeman i wrote it in 82 it's actually used all around the world and that is a book to help teach young children how to resist uncomfortable touch and so that is more clearly therapeutic that book was interesting the way i was inspired to write that book i was attending a lecture about sexual abuse which in the early 80s i really didn't even know much about it or um I had never even heard people talk about sexual abuse of children. And it was at a parent meeting. The parents were clamoring, how can I talk to my children about this without scaring them? And so I started like mulling around ideas about really thinking about how children think. And the very first time, and I'm sure a lot of parents of young children can relate to this, I was alone in my house without my children. They must have been about... Three, six years old, and their father took them away for outing. Um, the words just sort of came into my being for this book, and I scribbled the words down. And that book has become quite famous. It was one of the first um, books that really helped children think about their body mm-hmm. as their own. I, I thought I would just read a page of it. How it starts. Oh,
0: I'd love that, some, Lori. Go right ahead.
1: I have something very special that belongs only to me. I was born with it, and it changes as I grow older. But it's always just mine. It's my body. So the whole concept of the book is about sharing your body or not. And I, and again, that's that has to do mm-hmm. with thinking about how children think. Children are always thinking about sharing or not sharing, and adults are talking to them. And then another. Go ahead. <laughs> go, go, go ahead. Go no yes, go on, please. No, no, no. I want no, go to do your... another one. Oh yeah, I have them. I have them, I have them laid on. out in front of me, and I was thinking about where ideas come from. Um, yes. Another book. I was walking down our street. We live up in the hills, and there's it's woodsy and mud puddles, and it was being organ. It was raining hard, and I was walking with my little cousin Lucy, who was about two and a half at the time, and we were. She had her rubber boots on, and we were splashing in mud puddles. And we saw a worm floating in the water, and Lucy, being very sensitive, delicately picked it up. So that inspired a very simple book for toddlers. It's called One, Two, Three, It's Great to Be Me. And this really has to do about honoring childhood. It starts out, One Worm to Rescue, One, Two, Three, It's Great to Be Me. Two puddles to splash in, no rush for us. And that really has to do with um, it's like one of those simple things, but it's very deep. Is you you honor children's mm-hmm. ways and you stay in the moment with them. If they want to splash in a puddle with their rubber boots, what more glorious thing could there be in life, really? Right?
0: Yes, I, I then, would
1: agree. And go ahead. No, go on.
0: <laughs> We're no, no, are you talking about know, ahead of time? We're <laughs> well, you know. The 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 downside of a podcast is we're not looking at one another, and I would be I would be taking visual cues from you. So when I interrupt you and you wanted to just read a little bit more, please don't be bothered by that because I would really like you to to read from some of these books. So please please continue with that thought.
1: Okay, thanks thanks. Another book I wrote um, when I knew my father was going to die, and my father um, is and was my hero, my beloved, cherished hero, um, I knew I had to do something to sort of prepare for his death. And so um, I wrote the book called My Grandma Died, a story, a child's story about death and loss. And again, thinking about how, how people think about death and actually about children, um, this is how I started the book. I lost somebody and I can't find her. It's not like when I lost my favorite ball in Toby's backyard. It's not even like when Wiggles ran off and we put up signs saying, Lost Dog. Wiggles came back that night. Last week I lost my grandma. Grandma died and now she's gone. Grandma won't come back, ever. I cried and cried when Mama told me. We both cried. So one of my formulas is Tapping into children's feelings, but also not leaving them hanging, but giving them solutions about what to do. So the book really, about two-thirds away. the way goes into solutions about what you can feel when you're grieving mm-hmm. um, and things that children can relate to. Like, for example, um, Mama says if we tell stories about Grandma, we can see pictures of Grandma in our mind. That helps me feel better. Yesterday when I felt sad, I drew a picture of Grandma making cookies with me. Mama says I can draw a picture of how I'm feeling when I'm all mixed up inside. Anyway, that has been a formula that has been really um, worked for children and left them with ways to cope and deal with a myriad of things in their lives, from sexual abuse to death to just feeling strong about their body.
0: You know, Lori, I'm going to tell you how I was affected by what you just read. I think that not only do you provide that parent, aunt, grandma, whomever, grandpa, babysitter, whomever that's reading this book with these children, you're also drawing out memories and opportunities of discussion that maybe that adult is feeling, because I felt very emotional hearing you even read that, because nobody nobody likes when their grandma or their grandpa dies. If you love them as much as many of us loved our grandparents or our parents, or in my case, my husband, and you hear somebody read something like that, um, it's it's profound, and it it must al- allow for just further not only just reading the book together, C- continuing the conversation particularly if you're reading it to more than one child at a time and this brother and sister are reflecting on losing grandma uh, it's 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 a it's a beautiful gift and while you might consider this simple um, it's definitely not and it's 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 very very meaningful and um, I so appreciate you interjecting some of your reading within this Store, this show today, Lori, because I think it's it's really important. Uh, would you what would you guess would be the the age range that you focus your books on particularly? Do you um, have a range?
1: Yeah, most well, the one, two, three is great to be me is um, more for the two and three year old range, but most of them are, you know, three to seven or eight years of age. Um, okay. As as but a ballpark you, figure, would, you know, depends on the child. Sure. Some, sure. I mean, some children, I, you start reading it to the books that are for, for preschoolers. So Sure. Um, I have well, a I, book and,
0: sitting right in front. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Lori. Go.
1: <laughs> we need to talk face-to-face, huh, Marcia? Yes, indeed. That would be fun. Well, when I come to Los Angeles,
0: we'll I will do that. visit you.
1: I will definitely there visit we go. you. There um, I was going to say, so the I I love to share where the ideas come from, and actually when I go speak at um, in elementary schools about being an author and an illustrator, one thing I really uh, talk to the kids about, about where ideas come from and have them generate their ideas. When, this is a really true story. I was driving to work one day. This is actually the first book that I illustrated based on my son's encouragement, and I saw a crow flying along with a red scarf in its mouth, Mm -hmm. like way up in the sky, a big red scarf. And so that started um, me writing a story that actually became a story about family and sharing and optimism, but I'll just read how it starts out. What luck, said Mama Crow, as she watched a beautiful red and white cloth drift by. She swooped down to grab it and thought, our babies will love it. Mama Crow, Crow brought the cloth home back to the family nest to show Papa Crow and their three baby crows. The babies chirped gentle noises and nestled down, surrounded by the colors. That's how the book starts.
0: Well, you know, as a bird lover, you know, I love that thought.
1: I'd love to see that. <laughs> I
0: would love to witness that myself. I have a book that's sitting right in front of me that's one of your latest projects, and it's called My Body, My Voice, My Power. A coloring journal for girls, and um, it's it's really it's really well done, Lori. And it's basically designed for the five to eleven year old. Would you say would that be about sort of the projected age you were thinking of when you wrote this?
1: I would think so. Although some, again, as in other books, the four year olds could start working on it as well. Mm-hmm. It just depends on I've, on their maturity and I've, also their focus.
0: Uh, yeah, I could see that. How
1: how would you describe this particular project? This book is really different. This is um, this is an interactive coloring journal for girls, and so really most of the book is filled with some pictures and prompts for girls to fill in themselves and reflect. Um, it's it can be used um, with an adult providing support and encouragement, or for girls in the older range just digging down and working on their own and it's really um i wrote it to empower girls and i can talk a little bit more about that as well and then i thought as best as i can describe since this is a podcast i could read some pages for it and try to describe how it works sure so this is this was really different it says this for older girls and it's where children can write write in the book it's it's a journal it's about a hundred pages long, with lots of blank spaces for children to write in. Mm-hmm. I really was inspired when I heard um, the CNN special. It was Mel- Mich- Michelle Obama's project, "We Will Rise," about educating girls around the world. I don't know if you saw that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I just, I was incredibly inspired by that program, and I felt like that was like I felt like I had to do something as well because there's just during that time period, there was a lot of negative stuff being banted about in the media and continues to be about negative things about girls and body image and having two amazing, amazing granddaughters that are strong and confident and um, bright. I knew I had to do something to ensure that all girls could feel that, that power and that self-assuredness. So... I felt this was a project where I had to get out really quickly <laughs> and mm-hmm. I also felt I wanted to give it get as many hands as girl uh, in, in as many um girls hands as I could. So I thought it would be nice to read what I wrote on the back of the book. I think it's it's nice. Dear girls, I created this coloring journal to give you the opportunity to celebrate your own body, your own voice and your power within you. Enjoy the journey, and remember that you are each uniquely the author and illustrator of your story and journal. May your light shine strong, Lori. That's
0: that's fabulous. And Lori, I gotta just ask you. So the picture,
1: how how old are <laughs> you in this picture? I think I was about nine years old, and I I look at, for the listeners. I want to say there's a photograph of me on the back, and yes. a little. It's. I think I was about nine years old, and I just look like I'm. Thoughtful and looking at the world you, and thinking about my future and <laughs>
0: I, I want to tell you that's precisely what I thought when I looked at this picture. I thought this is a young girl that is all knowing already at such a young age. That was exactly what I thought about that picture when when you mentioned that you you talked about you're doing something really interesting with this with this distribution and marketing of this particular book. I'd love for you to share that with with the audience.
1: Well, I consider this project I mean all my books are I try to make help make the world a better place, but in particular this project I consider it a public service and I want to get it in as many have as many girls use it as possible. And I've donated it to for example to nonprofits, should they have fundraisers, I'm willing to donate copies. Um, say they have an auction or a silent auction for their fundraiser. I'm also willing to provide um, the book at the absolute at my cost for them should they wish to use it in their program um, or use it to sell and have money to um, help fund their nonprofit. So that's what mm-hmm. I try to do. And sometimes I just spontaneously I meet a young girl and I have the book in my car and I give it to them. I
0: think that's and terrific. I ha- and you know, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh
1: I haven't been as successful as distributing as I'd like to be. Um, For example, this is pretty funny. I thought, okay, Oprah, of course everybody wants Mm -hmm. to talk to Oprah. I thought Oprah would love to know about this project. Uh, Michelle Obama would just love to know that she inspired this. So I actually mailed three copies, I think, to Oprah, and it got returned and opened. I, I understand that they're probably very cautious about packages, that are coming to them, and I don't yeah. even know if I had the right address. I mailed something to the um, Obama Foundation. I didn't hear anything back, so I'll just I just keep um, pursuing this. I know there's a lot of um, actresses and um, and singers, female singers, that are trying to do things to support girls feeling empowered and have healthy body images. And I haven't really been able to figure out the best way to get the book in their hands or at least deliver a package so they were open it. So I'm still going to keep reflecting on that and doing that. I recommend that you also reach
0: out to Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, and if anybody's listening and honestly have contacts to, to Oprah or to the foundation or to Ellen, you know, um, you, can, you can reach me at my... Um, my email address is really simple. It's marcia at borntotalkradioshow.com. It's an easy way to get in touch with me, and I would make sure that I would get that information to you, Lori, because I, I would agree. Um, I work with a lot of different nonprofits, and um, I think that this is, this is really wonderful that you make these donations. And I also think, not in regards to this particular book, because I don't think it's true in this particular book,
1: but I'll, you have books that you also do in Spanish as well. Is that right? Well, the only book actually is in Spanish is um, Mama Crow's Gift, Mi Cuerpo Es Mio. Um, my neighbor actually okay. translated. He's a translator. That's um, and actually was used actually um, a, a school in Los Angeles actually bought a lot of copies in both languages to use for a parent-child activity for the parents to read to their child and oh, do some awesome. interactive activity about. Um, the, regarding trying to reach people, um, I think I even tried to send an email to Ellen, and I didn't get an answer back. It's, it's, sometimes it's really hard. People can also, and thank you, Marsha, I appreciate you offering to be the conduit for people to share their ideas about that. Sure. And also through my website there's a way to send an email to me too, too. Um, um, great where i'll be notified of that yeah so either way yeah, is great and i'm open to any ideas or a non that works with girls around this age that is interested mm-hmm. in um learning about this book that would be wonderful i just
0: got another idea Lori. have you reached out to girl scouts and brownies
1: oh actually <laughs> i actually that is <gasps> another one of my dreams because i actually gave a couple of book a copy to somebody who's very active in girl scouts i think she got busy but she thought it would make a wonderful um mer- a project for their badge you know girl scouts work on yes. badges for them to fill this in and so wouldn't it be wonderful it became a new badge for the girl scouts oh my and i gosh. actually have somebody i gave it to um at an organization central latino in our town she actually translated it just for her own use for her Girl Scout troop in Spanish. So I would love to do that. That's so funny
0: because I'm right now um, scheduling um, Girl Scouts of Orange County to be the guest on my show in November, Right, I think the 19th of November, Um, and it's all about Girl Scouts. But I can assure you in the the post-production part of this show, I'm going to absolutely discuss this with them because what an ideal um, location to gather young girls of, of the age that you're looking for. I think that's fabulous. Um, I, in thinking about this journal, uh, has it been used in any way that you really didn't anticipate? Or did you have any surprises with
1: this journal? I did have some. I did have some surprises. Um, well, first I want to say something that delighted me. I wasn't surprised because my five-year-old granddaughter is so um, is so inquisitive and so deep and thoughtful. And um, when she was four, she was working in the journal. And then her mother, my daughter, who's a teacher, special ed teacher, Eliana and my daughter gave it to um, a teacher to give to her seven-year-old daughter. And Eliana said to the seven-year-old oh, you're going to love this book. I use this all about your body and being strong and being powerful. That's when she was huh? four. thought that was pretty oh, great. My goodness. Some no of the kidding. surprises. No. I've had some mm-hmm. um, really, one of the most interesting surprises, and it makes a lot of sense now that I think about it, is um, I had um, somebody who leads women's groups, a therapist, say that sh- she used it for women to fill in retroactively like thinking about their young self and using it as part of a healing journey, sort of resetting oh, their, their schemas of, of how they envision themselves as a young girl. So that was one of the most surprising things, and I think that's a wonderful yeah. idea, or for people just to fill out individually. I mean, there's a lot of women that, that deal with um, body image issues and using their voice to speak out and be strong, and to let their feelings mm-hmm. be known and also their their voice and their power not necessarily verbal but presenting who they are to the world and so for a woman to work on that just in their own time i think that would be pretty powerful And sort of and re and as i said redoing the schema of how they thought of themselves as a young girl so that they can move forward in the future the other thing is um a boy really wanted to have one like he yes, had three I was sisters. ask like at mhm well yeah and I it's it's very interesting. I I I wondered if I've been actually reflecting on this lately with all there's a lot of stuff about gender roles and mm-hmm. fluid gender roles and um people recognizing um transgender children and and prejudice about that issue. And so I was thinking well do I just write this journal to have it be non-generic for our children, all children? Do I write one for boys, but then what about people that are um, in transition or identify with mm-hmm. both genders. You know, there's just a lot of issues, so I've been reflecting on that and um, how well, to move forward with you know, that.
0: You know, you, I grew up, I have a younger brother. You have an older brother, correct?
1: Yes, he and I, I want to okay. give a shout-out to my older brother, my beloved older brother, Steve.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, what I was thinking, as you were describing, you know, for boys... Um, I think that what, what would come to my mind for a young child is maybe the peer pressure of being an athlete and, you know, how boys um, can catch the ball, but why can't I? Or maybe I'm a little heavy and I, I'm not feeling happy with my body image. I, I could really see where, you know, boys... You know, you might want to get some information via your brother. But what it what it was like to be sort of the boy in the family? Like, what what were the expectations as a boy? Were, were they different than the expectation of the girl? Did the boy have the same kind of chores that his sister had, or did the boy have his own? Was it you know what I mean? It it, it could be very it could be very interesting. I, I haven't really ever thought about it, but I could see. Where that might be something for you to to think about, um, you know, in the future, when you think about,
1: there is a lot. You're absolutely right. There is a lot of pressure on young boys. It's like any time we get in um, specific our expectations about specific roles, it boxes mm-hmm. people in. <laughs> mhm.
0: It, it did when we were kids. Think about think about Lori back in the day when we were in junior high school. And that's when you're really starting to be interested in boys, and boys are really sort of being interested in girls, maybe not as much as girls were. And you'd go to a Friday night sports night, which is what we called it at Port Junior High. I don't know if they called it that. It, did you go? You went to Orville Wright, I presume. Right, they right? did call it that. Yeah,
1: and,
0: yeah. And it was like you, you you go and you're all excited and you want to dance and you're looking around and you're looking around and it's like, all right, I'll just dance with the girls because boys were too afraid you know um so it's i don't know you just maybe reflect on the memory back um in those in those younger years but i wanted um you you had talked you it's really obvious how seriously important that you look at your reflection on your life what what would you say has been the most important job or role that you've had
1: thus far in your life without a question Without a doubt, being a parent and a grandparent, and it still is an important role. um my children are all grown up and have children of their own, and I'm still their mom and the, i you never stop worrying about your children, you never stop wanting to support them, you never stop rejoicing in the things that are going well with them um and then you carry the same feeling with your grandchildren mm-hmm. so without without a doubt um Absolutely.
0: You know, and if, you're, if you don't have grandchildren, which I do not, that doesn't preclude me from being that kind of person with my neighbors. And, and I've, like I said, I, I, I've held on to this book because I wanted it in front of me when we were speaking, but I definitely have a young girl that I have in mind for this book that not only fits your age bracket, but her parents have recently divorced, and she's struggling. She is most definitely struggling. And I think that this book will be really, really helpful for her. Um, when you um, told me that you love reading books to children and and I know that you read some pages from some of your books, I'd like to come back to that so that I make sure that we get all of this other content that I think is so important to get out there, so I'm going to make sure that we come back so you have some more time to read to us. But I think this is really important, and I would like this advice. What advice do you give adults when they read picture books to children? Is there is there a methodology that you would recommend when, when, when we read books to our
1: children? Well, first of all, um, there are so many wonderful picture books out there today, that there's no reason to read mediocre books there's there's you you know there's some books that I just call them delicious they they touch your heart they're amazing and funny and meaningful, and they just touch your art, heart so you know be selective, pick out wonderful books for children. The other thing is that you can't separate the idea of promoting children's literacy from the whole emotional relationship side of it side of it. So reading books to children is more than just promoting their literacy, them learning to read and enjoy the printed word. It's also about the relationship between the reader and the child who's being read to. So that's such an important thing. Um, we can't separate that. those things. So cuddle up with your children. Take the time to read together. Um, listen to their words don't rush through the book in a monotone, although some books are so magical it's imp- it's great just to read them without a pause, some of those really magical books like Where the Wild Things Are, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but also take the time and pause and listen to what children are saying. Ask them questions um, if it's not artificially induced. Ask them open-ended questions, and that would mean instead of saying, what color is that ball? That's okay for the little ones. That's finer. How many chipmunks do you see? That's, again, that's good for the little ones. But as children get to be in the preschool age, ask them openness and questions like, what do you think is going to happen next? I wonder how that girl is feeling. Whoa, what happened to that ball? I wonder where it could be hidden. And take the time to listen to their words um, and find a cozy, comfortable spot. Another thing is, and I know some parents or grandparents will groan about this, children love to read the same books, be read the same books over and over and over. And that's the magical part of them learning to read. And so that's a great thing to do as well. That's so funny because
0: I was reflecting. The book that I know my son loved the most was Goodnight Moon. And it was two, the two pages would be in color, and then I think the next page would be in black and white, if I have this memory correct in my head. Right, correct. And correct. we used to talk about, do you see the mouse? Where's the mouse now? And it got to the point where he started saying all of the words to this book. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, my kid is so smart. Oh, no. No, okay, maybe he was smart. But he was not reading this book. Don't kid yourself. He had heard it so many times. It was the go to book in the house for him that he knew what to say on every single page because it was it was our delicious book. Richard Scary was one of our
1: delicious books. You know, oh, right, I remember point. reading like, those to my kids too, yeah. I oh, my that. gosh.
0: And you mentioned where the wild things are. Yes. And I'm going to tell you, it's really funny I, because I've been in my house forever, Lori. I've been in my house in Westchester since 1973. And when my parents passed and things were distributed between my brother and myself, I have my Bobsy Twin books and my, Spin oh my and Marty books. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I know. And it's like, really? What what am I going to do with those? I I just haven't parted with them. I don't know why. I just haven't. Now, those were not read to me, but, you know, books matter. There's They're a link to our memories, like you said. They're a link to maybe calmer times. I mean, we didn't have all the Internet and distractions. And, you know, I was fortunate, Lori. I was a stay-at-home mom, so I was able to be home with my kids and I didn't have to rush off to work in the morning and then come home and hurry up and make dinner. And then you got to do your homework, and, but you have to take a bath. And, you know, it's like, oh, wait, did I talk to you? Oh, well, whatever, maybe we'll talk tomorrow. Oh, wait, maybe it'll be this weekend. Okay, you've got this to do, I've got this to do. I didn't do the grocery shop. You know, the, the lifestyle of today's parents are so much more challenging than it was for me. I'll just paint that as myself there. So for you to put out these picture books, that people can easily purchase, it's almost like a recipe for relaxation, a recipe to, to disconnect. You know, uh, nobody's closer. I, I thought I was going to have a heart attack this morning because we had a power surge. Everything went out. I had no this phone. This morning? I had no computer. Yes, no phone, No. Comp- 1130 this morning. No phone, no computer. I'm thinking, oh, boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. It ultimately came back. And, you know, I was relieved and I was trying to think what was going to be part two for this since this is based on an Internet connection. But, you know, I think that when we take time to pause, and I, I don't do that enough myself, and I don't know how parents that have such busy lives make the time to do that, but that's what your book does. Don't you think that that's what your book does? It gives parents, I'm going to sit down with this book with my child today, and we're going to read this book together. I just, I think it's just fabulous. And speaking it's so of important. fabulous, it is. And speaking of fabulous, because you don't ever stop. I think you have another <laughs> book coming out that's going to be released um, this coming 2019. Is that right? This spring.
1: I do, and this book. This book is really special. This book is called um, I'm Happy, Sad Today: Making Sense of Mixed Together Feelings. What's special about this book, well, one is uh, is I called my granddaughter, my granddaughter Momo, who is now 15. I called her when she was, I think, around eight or nine years old. Maybe she was seven. I can't remember. But she said, Grandma, I'm so mad. I said, What do you mean, Momo? She said, I'm sad that I'm in my room and I'm so mad at my parents for making me go there. And so <laughs> that's the, that mm-hmm. started Ideas percolating around my in my mind about writing a book about that because there are so many wonderful books out about that focus on kids feeling this way or that way and there's feeling charts and um, as an early child educator I've been really aware of that I had never seen a book that validated the fact that children can have more than one feeling at once and I started thinking about it um, and then Momo who's just such a great writer and gives good feedback she became my editor and gave me feedback for the ideas in the drawing so i i actually self-published this book myself and hmm. then um, which is very unusual it's it's pretty hard to distribute self-published books um, i queried this wonderful publishing company free spirit publishing that does a lot of therapeutic books and books that help children with different issues and they're picking up the idea and it's coming out in an expand, expanded version next year with a, a a section for parent adults. Um, even though I illustrate my own, they're having um their own professional illustrator illustrated it, somebody who's who's um has some wonderful illustrations. I've seen some of the sketches, Matthew Rivera. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and what's what's unique about this book is when you think about it how many of us as adults have conflicted or dual feelings or ambivalent feelings about something? I mean, all the time, Mm -hmm. really. And so Mm -hmm. by focusing on the children, I'm setting them on a trajectory on a pathway to having that be okay as they mature, become a teenager, become an adult, that it's okay to have more than one feeling. And, And again, like all of my books, there's Acknowledgement of their feelings as, all, as, as well some ways to express their feelings in a, in a healthy way. And so it could also, I think, be healing for an adult that maybe has some problems with ambivalent feelings reading this book to their child or to other children.
0: Nice. I, I actually think that that application could probably apply to every one of your books, Lori. I think that as people, as parents read, teachers read these books, while it's um, concentrated to the child, I know for me, I would be thinking about my reflection about that as well. What What do you think makes this particular book more unique than maybe some of the other books that you've written? Um,
1: hmm, that's a good question. I think I think the fact that clearly so many adults have. Problems with ambivalent feelings, and that that is something that they grapple with often in their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think it's could be changing the project- the trajectory of where children how they develop i think I think that what makes it unusual you know while while you were talking about all my books and helping adults i mm-hmm. I had this idea maybe we can like save the world and solve all the problems of the world through children's books. Think about sharing. You know? Books about sharing, yes. books mm-hmm. about controlling your temper, books about um, using your words to say how you feel. Mm-hmm. Books about, on, like uh, I have a book called *The Dirt Pile* about uh, honoring nature and playing outside. Think about that. Yeah, it's it's,
0: you know, one thing about your mind is that, and and you said that at the opening of the show, and I just I was fascinated by that, and that you talked about how words and hearing things. Also generates physical pictures in your mind. And I don't think everybody does that. And I don't know if you're aware that most don't. But that is also part of your gift. And that's what makes your books, um, make, your, make all of your books so compelling. And when we think about being resilient, which was sort of what you were talking about earlier, um, how does that resiliency research relate to your professional life
1: and your life as an author? Well, my professional life, of course, let me say what resiliency research is, this fascinating body of research that looked at young children that were in some pretty stressful, uh, horrendous situations. And those as adults that matured into adults that were able to function healthily in the world had certain things in common in their early years that, that held them through. And so because I've because I've worked with young children, I've been fascinated with that research, particularly when I worked for a child abuse prevention agency. We worked with ch- children and their families of children under six years of age. So the thing some of those characteristics are innate in us. For example, um, you're real verbal. Well, verbal skills are really good in helping children be be resilient. so some some things are innate, and some things are environmental support. so, some of the things that that we know that help children be resilient, and this doesn't mean in any way, shape, or form that you don't focus on preventing children from having some of those um, stressful things happen in their early years, but some things are unavoidable. But relationship with a beloved caregiver, so cuddling, memories of cuddling up and reading with your caregiver, being able to talk to them, good problem-solving skills. And a lot of my books... Um, give children um, tools to deal with different problems, the ability to express feelings, which a lot of my books talk about, and also um, encourage adults to help generate conversations with the children they're reading to about that, and also um, being literate. So children that develop literary skills, also that's a, one of the resiliency characteristics, so, mm-hmm. um, and social skills. Children that have good social skills, whether it's innate or whether it's been nurtured by their environment, that helps children um, become healthy, functioning adults. So the resiliency research is pretty fascinating and um, provides us some really pretty good guidelines about what we want to encourage in our young children and how we want to relate to them.
0: That's great. You talked
1: about your I'm,
0: I'm I'm happy, sad today. Do you have a project that's coming out? After that, are you always moving forward to that next project?
1: Well, actually, after talking to you, I'm really encouraged to um, to do more promotion to try to get um, my coloring journal for girls in the hands of more people that can benefit from it. So that's one thing. I'm also, um, when I'm Happy Sad comes out today, I'm going to be um, working on promoting it more, making myself available to be... Um, Available on podcasts like this, for example, to write on blogs, school visits, and to do readings in bookstores. The, um, Free Spirit Publishing is a wonderful company that is working with me on that. But in terms of writing, I was just talking to my granddaughter Eliana the other night. She wants to write a book with me,
0: oh, and she wants whoa. to do it
1: especially. She wants to use my special pens. <laughs> oh man, has, Lori. So I think I'm yeah. going to take on that project. She's very creative and has wonderful, wonderful ideas, as my other granddaughter does too. But um, Eliana's five, so that's a really great age to do this project with. Oh, that's fabulous. And, you know, you don't
0: only just write. Because I remember one time calling you and you said, I've got, I got to get back with you because you've got this adorable dog. But you do other things to just kind of balance out for your life as well. and And I think one of them is, table tennis right and another is um doing um therapy for dog work could you talk just a little bit about that
1: okay starting about two years i became obsessed with table tennis my (laughs) husband has been playing table tennis for almost 30 years and as a surprise two years ago i secretly learned um table tennis to surprise him on his birthday is that the same as ping pong one of the same it's the same, but we call it table tennis. Ping pong is uh, okay. an old term. We call it table okay. tennis, and so <laughs> we play. Right. So he was he was delighted and overjoyed. And since then, we play about an hour or two a day. We're in a table tennis club, and this is the interesting thing because when we were in school, girls really were rarely in sports. There wasn't like little league for girls like there is now. It wasn't until Title IX that everything got changed. I mean, we played in PE and. Mm -hmm. things like that but it wasn't it was not equal for the first time in my life i think of myself as an athlete i have new muscles emerging i i I am an athlete and i never ever thought that way of myself growing up so So that's one of my passions the other one is and i can't believe my dog hasn't barked during this podcast Mm -hmm. (laughs) um Mm -hmm. we got registered and certified as a therapy dog team um Several years ago, she's a small dog, 12 pounds, and she loves people. She particularly loves children, and we visit hospital, the hospital, with her, and we visit Mm. schools. So I, there's the when I take her to the hospital, I get to put her on the bed. She snuggles up with the patients. Um, We go right up to pediatrics first, and um, she does a lot of healing work that way. And we visit a school. It's a residential school for children with severe emotional issues, and they are just as mo- most appropriate and loving as you could, as any of us would be. And um, it's really positive for those children to experience those kind of nurturing, loving interactions. So that's I know. What we do. I, I
0: it's it's wonderful. And you know, Lori, as as we're getting to the close of this hour, I just want to say a couple of things to you. Number one. This has been a joy for me, number one. Number two, your book is coming out in the spring and there is another hour's worth of conversation that you and I can have. People just need to visit your website and once again that's Lori that's spelled L O R Y Britain, B R I T A I N dot com. And your Facebook, Lori Britton for Children, people need to visit that because you've got something on that page called Topic, talking table story project, and we're going to talk about that in the spring because I want to hear specifically about that. I want to really hear more about your book, and I also want to hear how you've been able to connect with organizations like Girl Scouts or, you know, even um, boys and girls clubs. I know we don't we don't live in the same state. And, but the needs are the same regardless of where you live. And I'm sure that you have a lot of connections to schools and things like that where I could see, or going to a library. Oh, my God, what a, do people still take their kids to the library? I'm assuming that they do. what, a, what they do a in great Eugene.
1: Place.
0: <laughs> well, you know, so what a great place, right? And I think that would be, a library would be another ideal um, location for you particularly this book and maybe maybe you work with your your local library and you bring out this journal for this coloring journal it might be a very fun project so that's just something else to to think about and I'm just I'm thrilled that you were able to join me and that we have a past because we both grew up here in Westchester and um, sort of idyllic conditions. Um, I'll have to talk with you off the air on where your um, cul-de-sac was, but I just think it's marvelous to be able to spend this time with you. And I think because my sort of formula for my shows, which is conversations plus connections equals community, followed by what's your story, just leads itself so beautifully into what it is that I'm all about. And I would like to encourage people, I'm going to do my own commercial break right now and just encourage you because this is now a podcast and Lori's not going to be my guest next week. Next week I'm going to have an, a registered nurse on by the name of Mona Clayton and I met Mona as a Toastmaster and she has a fabulous show. I would encourage you to visit my website, borntotalkradioshow.com and I posted a blog about all of the upcoming shows that I have. There's five, there's five Mondays in October, so they're all there. For you people that enjoy a, a podcast, by all means subscribe. If you have an iPhone, it's already embedded on your phone. Just type, go to your podcast um, icon, type in Born to Talk Radio Show, and subscribe. If you have an Android, it's the same process. You go to Google Play type in podcast born to talk radio show stitcher is another platform blog talk radio the 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 place where i am now using is my my format for doing these shows each week they all carry my show and i would like to encourage you to to subscribe and to listen i am so in in favor of feedback if there's something that you'd like to suggest to me if you personally would like to share your story on my show, I'm I'm looking into December now. And maybe you're looking into January, maybe you're working in an organization that would like to promote something at the beginning of the year. By all means reach out to me. I'm 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 very interested in sharing the stories of what my listeners are interested in talking about. So with that in mind, Lori, I just once again, want to just thank you for sharing your stories with with us, with with our classmates that I know will all be listening to this. And you know, because I run the class reunion, so you're going to make sure you know that my, our classmates are going to know about this. And I I just want to thank you so much for for joining me today, Lori.
1: Well, thank you, Marsh. I'm actually so inspired by this time we've spent together. I feel like I'm actually sitting at the table with books all around, I feel like I want to like, rush out and give them to children and read them to children and write another book and let people know. And I'm, I just feel really encouraged and excited. So thank you for this wonderful opportunity. This has been a great hour.
0: It has. And so until next time, when Mona, when Mona Clayton joins me at the same time next week, I'm going to wish you all a wonderful Monday. For the, us Los Angeles people, go Dodgers and um and i'll look forward to hearing hearing listening to you and and looking for your feedback for next week until next time everybody goodbye for now